0: Welcome to the State of Fem Art Podcast, a space where we drive conversations around what it means to be woman creatively and artistically in today's industry. A place where women from various walks of life share their experiences, triumphs, and obstacles as they navigate the state of the world and their creativity. This is a safe space, one where women are celebrated for being fearlessly and unapologetically them. It is a space of belonging for those who feel their artistic and creative endeavors have gone unseen, unheard, or unsupported. But here you will also get resources and tools to help you reach your next level. We'll laugh together, cry together, but more importantly, we'll grow together. I am Tamia Faulkner, and this is The State of Femme Art. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of the State of Femme Art Podcast. I'm so excited today to speak with Eliana Reyes. How are you? I'm
1: well. How are you?
0: I am doing fantastic. It has been a wonderful past couple of weeks, a busy past couple of weeks, but it's been great.
1: Amazing. We love busy. We love busy.
0: (laughs) We love busy, but we have to make sure we stay well too. So I try to balance it out. Not too much busy without right. focusing on the balance of it all. Well, I don't know that I would necessarily say balance per se, but making sure that I'm at least listening to my body and staying well.
1: Right. We're health healthy healthy busy is the is the goal.
0: <laughs> healthy busy. Yes. <laughs> That's the goal. So how are you? How have uh, things been for you just as far as your acting is concerned and things that you're jumping into right now? Can you give our listeners a a sense of what you're doing, what you're working on, and a little bit about your background?
1: Of course. So I'm doing well. I am new to Los Angeles. Well, new meaning four months in, but I was told that I have the permission to say that I'm new to Los Angeles. At for at least a year or two.
0: <laughs> That's what happened to me when I first came. They said you you know you can say you're new for at least a year.
1: Yeah, because it's 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 a lot. Um, but you know, I I am a commercial actress. I also do film and TV, um, and I also do live TV hosting. So I've done some stuff on like HSN. Um, So I have this kind of duality where I work on camera, in front of the camera, you know, and then I work also behind the camera. So um, I have a really deep passion for storytelling. Um, I have a very deep passion for just breaking barriers and allowing myself to do all the things that as a child I thought were impossible. And so my life journey and purpose has become exactly that. And so... um, I decided to pursue my dreams and passions and acting and modeling and also um, producing and directing just original content. And so I am on that path now. (laughs) And part of coming to L.A. was, you know, I had already – I had been in the Midwest doing it um, for four, almost five years, and so I was ready for the next challenge, and, and I was ready to expose myself to bigger opportunities um, and learn. And, um, and so I am in the weeds right now <laughs> of that process.
0: Yeah, no, I know when we spoke, you mentioned that you took that leap mid-career, you know, when most people would say, hey, you should have already been out there and making moves within the entertainment industry. And so what inspired you to just take this leap now?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because I call myself a late bloomer <laughs> in the sense that, you know, I wasn't 21 and, like, I knew exactly. I mean, I wasn't 21 and, and was empowered to know that the things that I wanted to do were accessible to me. I didn't feel that way at all. Being plus size, being Afro-Latina, mm. being in the Midwest, like, everything around me was, like, you know, let go of those those childish dreams you have, Any you know, anything that was, like, of your childhood imagination, let it go, and just get a job, right? Get a job and do the things that normal people do, especially in the Midwest where the culture is very much so like, you know, you graduate college, you either go get your master's or you get a job, you get engaged, you buy a house. And I, I went that route, you know. I, I really wasn't didn't feel empowered um, to pursue my passions. And so I went into project management. I worked, um, I worked in finance for a long time. I, worked, I even worked at the Federal Reserve, which is a very, very conservative um, environment. And honestly, allowing myself to get that far from who I was was what inspired me to come back to who I was, if that makes sense. So it was like I was so far removed from everything that actually moved my soul, everything that actually fulfilled me in the inside, that I didn't want to, I didn't want to live that kind of wow. life anymore. You know? So I started making moves and just taking baby steps, you know, so an acting class here, a photo shoot there, and then I just kept moving and kept moving until it became something that I was like, all right, I I can do this. I want to do this, and I want to do it full-time. I want to devote all of my time to this because I also felt like I had to make up for time that I felt I had, um, I don't want to say wasted, but definitely time that I had devoted to other things that I wasn't passionate about. So, um, So yeah, and I I kept going. And so that was six years ago is when I started that journey. And then now six years in was when I was like, I think I'm ready. And here we are.
0: (laughs) Wow. I think you said something so key, which is you didn't feel empowered enough to know that you were ready for this journey. You were, you know, born for it. You were made for it. Why do you feel people lack that level of empowerment, whether it comes from the daily activities, as you mentioned, the things that inspire you or um, others around you who empower you at a younger age so that you can actually be activated to say, you know what, I have what it takes
1: now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I always go back to childhood. I think that a lot of magic happens when we're kids and when we're unblocked and when we don't know, we don't know um, what the struggle of life is. We don't know how, that, we, that, you know, dreams get deferred. So I personally believe that something happens um, where you, you kind of, life either forces you to grow up or your circumstances force you to grow up. And for me, it was, you know, my family was always in survival you know, um my father had went to jail. You know, my mother was constantly just trying to keep us afloat. There was no space, there was no time for, oh, you you like to dance, you like to act, you like to sing? Ha <laughs> ha, okay good, but go get a job. Like there there was no there was no like, oh my God, like yes, let's do this. Let's take you here. Let's take you there. Let's take you to some auditions. And then on top of that I was in Puerto Rico where there was just not a lot of access to those kind of opportunities. A big, big thing for me personally was being plus size. And, you know, unfortunately, being a millennial, you know, I think that my parents, uh, just people people that were older than me when I was younger, always had this idea that in order for me to be on TV, in order for me to be a singer, in order for me to be a, a dancer, whatever I wanted to be that was public facing, I needed to change the way that I looked. Um, I couldn't do it being plus size, like, you know, I have vivid memories being told, like, oh, yeah, you're a good singer, or, you know, you're funny and all, but you have to lose weight, like, you can't do it until you lose weight, and we don't really recognize how deep that penetrates us, and it kind of embeds itself into us in the, on a cellular level, so then you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, and you're like, but I, but I do want to do this and I, and, and I can do this. And so then, you know, that's where the war, the internal war starts, where you start being like, I don't need nobody's validation. I don't need no one's permission. Like, if I want to do this, I'm going to do this. And the world is different now, too, right? Like, it's starting to be a little more inclusive. We still have ways to go. But I, can, I, I know that when I was a kid or a teenager, I wasn't seeing people that looked like me, you know, um, that were my size doing the things that I wanted to do. I think
0: representation matters. And I think there is a large stigma still within the industry around body image. So what has helped you and what advice would you offer to others who are working towards being more body positive, despite the negative messages that are constantly thrown out and the policing of women's bodies?
1: You know, (laughs) that's a it's a that's a, a evolving um it's a ever never ending um state of being, if you will, but you know one of the things that that really helped me was unfortunately, I had experienced a close friend that that had passed away, and it really struck me because it was the first time that like you know someone that I had memories of being at the club with dancing with partying with had just like passed away like not because. You know, it, it was for natural causes. And something happened to me where I was just like, yo, I've wasted so much time. I've wasted so much time thinking that I'm not worthy of these opportunities. I've wasted so much time thinking that I have to look a certain way in order to give myself permission to even think about these opportunities. And so, um, honestly, there was an urgency that happened for me. And I pr- I told myself, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it afraid, but I'm still going to do it, you know. And it was really important, I think what's really important is to surround yourself with people that have the same mentality and that do support you and that do empower you. So, you know, as you become an adult, you're going to have more control over, you know, the people that you keep around you, the company that you keep around you. And, And that was pivotal for me was to have people around me that didn't fall into those limiting beliefs but that were also breaking barriers and that also saw me in a light that I could have never seen myself. So when I did my first photo shoot, I had no experience (laughs) modeling or anything. I had experience being behind the camera telling people how to make things look better or or look pretty because I always had this element of creative direction. I did it on the side. I always kind of kept that in my life, but I had never been the subject of a camera. And when I tell you that it was the most vulnerable and scariest thing that I did was for the first time to put myself in front of the camera. I think I brought, I brought a bottle of Bacardi to the studio and I took like three shots just to like, you know, but the process of surrendering, of allowing the photographer to capture me in the way that the photographer captured me rather than me being like, no, only get me at this angle. Don't get me lower than this. You know, it was a really beautiful moment. And then when I saw the pictures, I saw what other people saw, right? People that had supported me, that empowered me. And so I just took that and I ran with it and and I took ownership of it and I no longer kind of victimized myself. I was just like, you know what? This is who I am. I'm a size 18, like, <laughs> you know, on a good day, size 18 woman. I have all of this to offer and I'm doing it for that little girl that, you know, had so many dreams and felt like she needed to defer them just to exist in life. So that, that's how I get through it. it it's going to be different for everyone, but I think like really just owning who you are, what you are, what you stand for, and letting that be your fuel. You know, understanding your story. I think a lot of us sometimes we're just living, and you kind of got to do that internal work, that spiritual work, and understand your journey and your story, where the gaps are, And then, you know, let that motivate you to move forward, um, being authentically who you are and bringing all that you are (laughs) with you on your journey, you know? No,
0: absolutely. So what have you learned as a multi-talented woman, right? Because you do everything. So you're in front of the camera, behind the camera, doing creative direction and so many other things. And I find most of the time, most artists are multifaceted, right? There's not just one thing that you do as a creative. So how have you learned how to navigate being multi-talented in such a rigid industry?
1: You know um, I'm still I'm, I'm still kind of learning how to navigate it, especially being out here in LA. I think that um, what was really important for me was to not pigeonhole myself. And I think, you know, for anybody that's seen the the documentary on on Kanye recently, like, that was huge for him, right? Like, he was like, I'm not just a a producer, I'm also a rapper, and I can be both. So I think, like, as I came into my womanhood, as I came into my courage, I was able to say, like, I don't have to pick one thing to be. And I think that that's something that, as women, we experience, where it's like, oh, you can't do this and this and aspire to be that. You have to pick one. Right, and so if if when I promised myself that I was going to be on this journey, I promised myself that I was going to do all of the things that I was told I couldn't do, and then I allow myself to get pigeonholed, or or I pigeonhole myself because of um, imposter syndrome or whatever. Then I'm I'm not I'm not fulfilling you know this promise and this purpose that 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 I believe I was called to do. So um, for me, it's when I meet people when I talk about it in my website, like you always see, like I'm an actor model, you know, producer. And, you know, I'm, and a lot of times I, I get booked to do speeches or keynote speeches where sometimes you'll see I'll put speaker, but really owning like those things that you do. And I think we're in a time now where it, it's, it is okay to say like, listen, I produce and I act, right? Like I have, you know, and, and, and when I do them both well and I do them both seamlessly, and, um, and I think it's important to just acknowledge that and take ownership of, of the, the, the talents that you have and be bold about it, you know? And there's going to come a time, obviously, when I'm on camera, I'm focusing on being on camera, right? And when I'm behind the camera, I focus on being behind the camera. So it takes practice, um, but I, I don't think that we're living in a time where we have to limit ourselves, especially as women. Like... I just, I just feel like, you know, if you do all the things, do all the things and do them well, you know, um, as long as they're aligned, as long as you are not kind of, you know, going, you know, one arm's going this direction, the other arm's going the other direction. For me, I'm lucky that they're all in the same space of, like, media and entertainment and storytelling. So sometimes I have to remind myself, like, oh, man, like, you know, why do I, why do, I do both things? And why am I passionate about both things it would be so much easier if I just didn't care about the one thing and focus on the, on the other thing. But when I sit back and I, you know, acknowledge who I am and I, and I sit in my authenticity, I, I know that I'm, I'm both things. And now we have examples of people that are both things. We have people like Issa Rae. We have, <laughs> like, there, there's, there's so many examples these days of women, of people in the industry that do them both. And so if they can do it, why can't I do it, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's kind of like an unapologetic thing, (laughs) for better or for worse.
0: I think a lot of times we're so used to hearing, like, you're doing the most. But I love how you said, do all the things. Just make sure that they're aligned. And I think you're right. We do have those examples of women who are killing it and doing multiple things within the industry. So as an Afro-Latino woman, what are some areas or spaces where you hope to see a significant improvement in representation and opportunities that are offered to women who look like you to make sure that you're able to see yourself in, um, different projects on different sets in different roles?
1: Yeah. I want to see more, um, more, I I want the industry to embrace more the fact that Latinos don't all look a certain way, right? Not all of Latinos look like Sofia Vergara Don't look like JLo, you know, talk with an accent like Sofia Vergara, right um and there is such a thing as black latinos like there is such a thing as you know um latinos that speak spanish and english and 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 we heavily look black because of where we're at within the diaspora i think that there's a stereotypical um depiction of latinos um, that I don't fit in. I never did. When I moved to the Midwest, it was <laughs> I kind of had an identity crisis a little bit because we moved there from Puerto Rico. But I had been born in New York, and I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican, and I got all the features from my Dominican side, like way more like African Black um, features. And so it was funny because I was like, I definitely don't feel like I connect, or I I didn't feel like I was identified with the Latina that I found in Minnesota, which were heavily, like, from Mexico, Central America. Um, but then I also kind of felt left out of, you know, certain, certain pieces of, like, Black culture. And I was in the space in between. <laughs> and I think that there's a lot of afro latinos there's a lot of Black Latinos that feel um, in that space in between. And they're not represented at all in media. I would love to see TV shows that where the lead person, the lead story is a Black Latina. You know, I would love to see films where, like, the lead person is a Black Latina. I would love to see, you know, when we talk about Latinidad, when we talk about, um, when we talk about the culture of Latinidad, to have more conversations around how heavily influenced it is by African, West African culture, right? I would love programming that talks about the complexities of being a Black Latina, Afro Latina in a world, and being in the Black diaspora, and what it's like to have, feel like you need to stand up for, you know, black, black women and also Latina women. Um, what is it like for someone like me to have a, you know, my father is an immigrant, right? Like, my whole fam, my whole Dominican side of the family, like, you know, they immigrated from Dominican Republic. So there's so many complexities in our stories and what we represent, um, but we're not, that's not depicted <laughs> at all when you think about... Um, Latinos in entertainment, Latino in media, Latino in, in shows and TV and, and all of it, um, even in music, you know, like, I, I feel like there's always this kind of, like, type of Latina woman, but then, you know, we have that type of Latina woman singing very urban Black Latino music, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, there's so much that I wish was a little different and so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because you know my goal is that if these stories are aren't aren't being written, I'm gonna write them and create them, and I'm also gonna act in them, you know, and open the doors for others, um, prioritizing Black and Afro Latino experiences. That's that's one of my biggest goals. I
0: definitely want to do whatever I can to support you in that effort because I think it's so important to really have the narratives of. Various different women with so many different lived experiences to be able to bring their flavor, their culture, their um, experience, their unique stories to the arts industry. It's so important because we have we have a range of beautiful women um, in the world. And I think, it, like you said, when we're children growing up and we don't see ourselves. People don't see themselves. Little girls don't see themselves being depicted in the industry or fields that they really desire to pursue on the inside. It takes people like, you know, Eliana Reyes to <laughs> to come up and say, you know what? I want to tell these stories. I want to be a part of changing the narrative. And um, that's so near and dear to my heart. So that just like, <laughs> that really... um means a lot just hearing it because i'm sure there are so many other
1: women who feel the same yeah I, you know it's a it's this universal feeling and when and it's funny because when i see other afro-latina women we kind of look at each other we're like ah, you know um but you know i think the biggest part is that there's so much blackness in you know in Latinidad that that gets uh kind of wiped away you know and and i and i i I'm a big proponent. I'm very supportive of like, no, we have to recognize like, you know, the 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 Black history in Latinidad, like that's that's important to me. Um, and I I you know with that same coin, one thing that I've 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 experienced too, where there will be like, oh, you know, well, you don't look Latina and you don't have an accent, you know, and so it's funny because. When we moved to Minnesota from Puerto Rico, which is a very drastic move, I remember being like, and I remember being told too, like you have to speak English a certain way. And so I worked really hard to perfect my English. I even had to go to, um, I had to take summer classes, I remember, in order to pass my basic skills writing test in English. Um, And so it's also just breaking these ideologies of what Latinos look like, what they sound like. You know, there's a lot of people that are very proud of being Latino that they don't speak Spanish at all. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that comes from, you know, a lot of their parents just wanted them to have normal lives and didn't, you know, they didn't want them to get made fun of in school for having an accent. Or there's so it's, there's so many complexities and stories that just kind of gets wiped off with these stereotypes. Um, and it just it it, it I it just frustrates me. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's uh it's a, it's a, it's a ever evolving thing.
0: Well, we want to give opportunity for people to support the projects that you're working on. So what are some of the things that you're excited about currently that you want people to check out?
1: Yes. Um, so I have this <laughs> talking about, you know, the industry and, and, you know, um, imposter syndrome. I went into a um, kind of a genius mode, if you will, when I finally decided to go full-time creative entrepreneur, which is what I call myself. Um, And I created a short film collection. Um, A lot of people don't know that in college, I used to write a lot of poetry. And I actually was one of the founders of a spoken word group in college. And that was my lifeline through college, was um, writing poetry, performing spoken word. And so I took some of my spoken word pieces from my most uh, challenging from just like really moments in my life that really impacted me and I created visual stories. Um, and so they're four short films. It's a collection of four short films that tell real life stories of my life. Um, and they don't have dialogue instead of dialogue. Um, you know, they have either a spoken word piece or an original song that I wrote and I'm performing, um, or they just have a score. Right. But um, I finished filming at the beginning of 2020, and I, was, I, I created a trailer and everything. Now, this is a no-budget project, right? This is me calling in all the favors that I had racked up in the Midwest, um, and I just haven't released it. And I think I told you this, you know, um, when I was like, I thought that, oh, it was because of the pandemic, but really, I'm realizing that it's that kind of imposter syndrome or that fear of putting these very vulnerable stories out there. And so I think I'm finally to the point now where I'm like, okay, this has to get put out to the world. This is not just about me. These stories are about collective healing. These stories are about um people being able to see themselves and see their pain and their and their joy and everything represented. And so um so I'm excited to say that I'm not going to sit on this anymore. <laughs> so I'm I'm cooking them <laughs> All right, so we can expect a film. That's what you're saying. That's like, <laughs> sitting on it, Eliana. Like it's gonna be, you know, like I mean, art art doesn't expire, right? And and it also has to feel right. Um, right. but I, I definitely need to birth this because I have an arsenal of other film ideas and other T V show ideas that I wanna create and pitch and all of that. So, um, but I but I it's it's getting this first one out, right? And not worrying about like you know, this, this, this is for me. This is for me to prove to myself that I can act, that I can produce, that I can direct, that I sing and I write, and then I'm ready to, you know, use everything that my life has been about to use that as content to help other people heal so that it's cathartic for other people. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, it's called anamnesis. Um, it's, anamnesis is a, it's a word that's used heavily in the medical industry, actually, to describe when a patient is kind of recalling or, or reliving or, or, or remembering memories of their life. So they use it a lot with patients that have Alzheimer's. And um, I thought it was a perfect word for this collection because it's quite literally um, a visual representation of very vivid memories of my life, of moments that changed me, that kind of changed the fabric of who I was and who I was becoming. It's like the tapestry of certain periods of my life. Um, and so... Pretty soon here, I'm working on just kind of like, well, how do I do this strategically? <laughs> um, I'm gonna put out the trailer, and then I might put them online for people to view. Um, I might have like a virtual, you know, viewing event. Since I'm in LA, I might, you know, do like a private viewing in person and have some people come check it out. Um, so that part I'm still figuring out, but I have made the decision to birth it this year, um, and so I'm really excited to put it out. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm scared. <laughs> like, I'm like, don't be be scared. Well, well,
0: no, it's important that you're even that you're even saying it, you know, that you're putting it out there. Because now, every time that you listen to this podcast, or even after, when I hit you up and say, Eliana, like, what do you need or is there, you know, is there a viewing soon or what support do you need? Now you have a community of people and uh, other women and m- maybe even anyone that's listening out there <laughs> that says, hey, we want you to drop this. It sounded so dope. So I, I know that you'll be releasing it when the t- when the time is right and we'll definitely be
1: here to support you. you. And, you know... Part of the reason why I wanted to do this interview is because I think that as women, I think specifically Black women, with Black women of color, there's this stigma around asking for help. There's this stigma around um, asking for what you need, right? And, and we don't have to do it all ourselves. Like, life has told us and has taught us that, like, you got to bear the brunt of everything. Bear the brunt of your family issues. Bear the brunt of, you know, your relationship issues. You are you you got to be the sponge that absorbs it all and I am I am not doing that. <laughs> so I'm trying to get over this conditioning that I have to do it all by myself and that everything has to be absolutely perfect when I put it out. Um and and just liberating myself. And part of that is being in community with other women that are also creating other women that want to support what I'm doing. So I can support what they're doing like um I think that it's impossible to think that you know, you can have the most amazing ideas and if you're doing it in isolation, I just don't think that it'll have the impact that it deserves. Right. So um, me being on here and connecting with you and the and the listeners is, is part of that. It's part of my own healing and growing and recognizing that like I need help. I need support. I need a I need you know, I need encouragement and and I want to be in community with other um with specifically, women that create, um, because that that's that's what this is for. Like that's it's, you know, and, and I can't do it locked up in my apartment and in West Hollywood.
0: <laughs> we will definitely connect for sure, because I think it's just so important, and that's been a big journey of mine. Just showing the world, but also helping women to know that the more we invest in one another, the more we support one another, our invisibility becomes visibility. And I think women are just looking for safe spaces to create, you know, curate and collaborate together in a way where they do feel the freedom to just release their art, you know, because art is vulnerability in every (laughs) aspect of, you know, the word. I think it's so important to be able to have those sorts of spaces. So I, I can't wait to see what you have in store and, you know, what drops.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's, um, you know, I, I have this vision of like, when I go into these, you know, very male dominant meetings one day, because I firmly believe that I'm going to get the opportunity to present my ideas and my pitches and all of that, where it's very male led, male dominant, knowing that I have an army of women, you know, that that are beside me, behind me, that are with me. Like, it just gives you a different swag, you know, because we're so magical. And I think that, you know, patriarchy has pitted us against each other because it's beneficial for them for us to be in competition. It's beneficial for patriarchy for us to not support each other or get catty with each other or criticize each other, right? And it's just like the more you – as you grow, you realize, like, there is something magical about women that are, like – you know bold together and that are unapologetic about supporting each other and are and um and helping each other out so you know for me that that that's where i'm at like i'm i i I want to have that and be a part of that um because that's part of changing the world. It's part of breaking those barriers.
0: It's been so amazing talking to you today. And I'm sure we could go on and on. Can you tell our listeners where they can follow you, support what you're doing?
1: Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's at my name. So at I am, I am. Eliana Reyes. That's my Instagram. And then my website is also on my Instagram. It's LeaniRay.com. And there you can see, like, my, you know, my acting stuff, my modeling stuff. You'll see my productions page, and you'll see samples of work that I've produced, mini documentaries and commercials that I've produced. And then you can also contact me and book me. Um, I am signed commercially here in L.A., so you might see me pop up on some ads, you know, on some commercials. Um, I get a lot of auditions for that, and that's something that has been pretty consistent for me is a lot of print modeling and, uh, and commercial acting as well, so... You might see me pop up on your timelines soon (laughs) or on your TV.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, it was so dope being able to speak to you, Eliana. And I know we're going to see
1: amazing things from you in the future. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for uh, giving me the platform and the space to share my story. And thank you for doing this. Thank you for just creating a space for us to be able to converse and and come together um, as women creators.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the State of Film Art podcast. You can catch new episodes bi-weekly on Thursdays. And make sure that you connect with us by following us on Instagram at SoFilmArt. And you can also visit our website and listen to past episodes at SoFilmArt.com.